Welcome to the Maximus Podcast with your hosts, Joe Sabula and Bobby Maximus. Today we are sponsored by Lalo Tactical, L-A-L-O.com. Use the code Maximus50 to get yourself the very best in athletic shoes and tactical boots and a bunch of other amazing products. Also 10,000, T-E-N-T-H-O-U-S-A-N-D dot C-C. Use the code Maximus15 to get yourself the best in athletic apparel. Now that the bills are paid, uh, we are super excited to have a personal friend of the show, Timothy Hammond, on the show. Uh, you may not know who he is, but he is one of the best gardeners on the entire planet. So, Tim, how the hell are you? Wow. I'm good, man. I'm good. Thanks for that intro. Good, good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you are. I, I don't even know how someone gets to be one of the best gardeners in the world, but can you tell people a little bit about yourself and your, your career? Um, well, you know, I'm just, I'm just somebody who loves gardening and I took that love and passion for gardening and kind of went to Instagram with it and tried to show the world or just tell the world that gardening is cool and, and everybody should be gardening. I, I, I like your humble approach, but you're not exactly just a dude who loves gardening. You've done work with Home Depot. You've done work with a bunch of other companies. Your uh, Instagram page, Big City Gardener, is one of my favorite sources of information for gardening stuff. How does someone get started with the career in gardening? Did you work as a botanist or something like that? Did you work at like a big nursery? Wow. How did this all come about? No, this is just this is just uh, following a passion. That's okay. all this is. I did other things prior to this. Um, but, you know, I had a kid. I had some kids. And then I realized that I wanted to be able to tell them, hey, you need to do what you love. And at that moment, I wasn't doing what I loved. So a good friend of mine, Chance Foreman, kind of pushed me in this direction and told me I should take my love for gardening to the Internet and see what comes from it. All right. Well, well, here you are. One of the, one of the things that we wanted to talk about, cause I, I know you don't like, well, I can tell you don't like talking about yourself and that's okay. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll big up you on, on, on the podcast later, but you, I know you do love talking about gardening and we were thinking that the world's changing uh, with, with, with the COVID disease. Uh, I, I don't know what one we're on 14, 19, 31, whatever it is. Um, people are staying inside more than ever before. Uh, people are scared to go to supermarkets. People are scared to get out. So um, I feel like there's going to be a huge movement towards gardening at home. Uh, Tim, we've conversed in the past and I've got numerous, Joe. I don't even know if you knew this about me, Joe. I have a extensive gardening knowledge. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I have, I have four garden boxes. I grow my own grapes. I grow peaches. I grow apricots. I, I grow an apple-pear hybrid. I sent him pictures of it. He was impressed. He thought I was actually... He accused me of taking pictures of the neighbor's house, but I assured him <laughs> that it was my house. Um, but I do, I do do a lot, and I feel like I'm ahead of the curve on that. But with COVID here, Tim, specifically what we wanted to ask you is two scenarios. Number one, you're in a shoebox apartment in New York City, and all you have is a big-ass window. How can you grow things? What do you do? Where do you start? Um, well, it depends on what side of the building you're on, but more than likely, okay. you'll get enough sun to grow 
any kind of herbs that you want or any kind of leafy greens. Maybe not any kind. Let's just say you'll be able to grow lettuce. Okay. So you, you might not have a big enough space to, you know, grow a massive garden, but you could grow, you know, the herbs that you use whenever you cook. Yep. So what, how does someone get started that? Is this as simple as like rolling up to the Home Depot and buying a planter box or like walk us through the process from, I don't have anything to like, I'm, I'm full on got a hydroponic. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I'm thinking like, yeah, I've got a little jar with some, like some thyme in it, you know, I've got a little oregano, but like, I've, I've not had to grow my own. Like, how does it get into the little jar so that I can cook with it? Like everything up to that point. Okay, so uh, you're going to want to get a container of some sort. It doesn't matter what you use for the container, uh, as long as it has holes in the bottom to where the excess water can run out. Uh, then you're going to want to head out to, whether you go to a nursery or you head to Home Depot or somewhere, and you're going to want to buy the best potting soil that you can buy. I think a lot of times people kind of skimp on the potting soil or skimp on the soil at and use lesser quality, and then they don't really realize that, um, you know, sort of like working out, right? What you ingest directly relates to how you perform. So what you plant, whatever you're planting in, the quality of the soil directly relates to how well it grows. So after you get your potting soil, you're just going to go and pick whatever plant it is you want to grow. If you don't have a lot of sunlight, if you're on a balcony or somewhere, you're going to want to stay away from things that produce uh, fruits or vegetables. You're going to want to stay away from tomatoes or peppers or squashes. And you're going to want to think you're going to want to go for things that just have leaves. So that's why I recommend that you could get some herbs or you could grow lettuce. And then after that, you're going to want to water it. What about what's up? Yeah, I, I was going to ask you like lettuce. I'm probably going to interject and ask a bunch of questions, but like, does arugula count as lettuce? Does spinach count as lettuce? Or are we talking like I can grow romaine and iceberg? Uh, arugula would work. Spinach would work. Romaine, iceberg. But you're going to want to stay away from bigger leafy greens. So you're going to want to stay away from collards or mustards or kale or Swiss chard. <laughs> Why, why is that? Is it, is it something to do with the air inside the apartment? Is it like not enough sun? What's the reason behind that? Not enough sun. So, uh, whenever you get into growing, whatever it is, vegetables or fruit trees, you'll learn that some things need full sun and some things or some things need full sun in order to thrive and other things can do well with just partial sun. So full sun is more than eight hours a day. And they consider shade, partial shade, anything under five hours a day of direct sunlight. Okay, fair enough. So we're we're looking for things like if I'm looking at seeds at the at the at the Home Depot or the Lowe's or wherever I'm getting a nursery. Ideally, we like to support small businesses around here. Um, at the nursery, I'm looking for stuff that's partial sun for inside. Right. Right. Okay, got it. All right. Next thing. What happens if I don't have holes in the bottom of my container? I've always wondered this. So the water has nowhere to go. So when you pour the water into the soil 
what happens is the soil gets saturated, the roots absorb what they need, and then the excess water just goes out of the bottom of the container. But if you don't okay. have any holes, you have nowhere for the water to go. And if there's nowhere for the water to go, uh, you'll end up drowning the roots because roots need oxygen and all of that water in there will suffocate and drown the plant. Got yeah. So if, if I'm one of those people that just like, I don't need holes, I'll just water it less or whatever. That's probably why my indoor plants are dying. <laughs> yeah, that could be it because it's, it's hard to really tell how much water to give the plant. I mean, unless yep. you're going to sit there and measure it out and say, I'm going to give this plant 500 milliliters of water every other day. I mean, yeah, you want to do that. That's cool. Or you could just get a bucket and start pouring it in and let the excess run out. Got you. So get a tray or something like that under so it doesn't go all over the place. Yes. Fair enough. And then if you have the excess water in the tray, you don't just want to leave the water in the tray for extended periods of time. So if you water it in the morning and you come back at lunchtime and you see that there's excess water, you can leave it there. And then by the end of the day, if you see that there's still water in that tray, you're going to want to go ahead and dump that water out and Got then you. put the pot back in the tray. Yeah. Dumping the water out. Can you pour it back into the, the, the container with the plants? You could, but then the water will end up just right back in the tray. Maybe less of the water will end up back in the tray, but water will just end up back in the tray. Okay, got you, because the roots are, are already saturated. Yeah, because the soil's already basically absorbed all the water it can hold. So then we're just pouring more water and it's just going to run out. Got you. All right. Now, you you referred to good soil. Uh and Joe, I'm kind of taking over here, but feel free to ask any questions you have. I just want to. I, 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 I like where you're heading. I've got a couple of questions I'm going to tag on here in just a minute, but keep going. Good. What What the hell's good soil? Does that mean expensive? Does that mean I, I buy Miracle Grow? Is that good soil? Uh, what's good soil, Tim? So good soil to me just means you don't have to buy the most expensive soil in the store but I'd okay. stay away from the cheapest soil. Okay. Because uh, the more expensive the soil, usually it has more amendments in the soil. Okay. And those, um, those amendments will help feed your plant longer. Um, they'll help keep the soil, the soil life, the things that are alive in the soil that actually feed the plants, it'll help keep them alive longer. It also means you'll have to add less fertilizer in the end. Yeah. So uh, is miracle Grow good soil? I'm sure miracle Grow makes good soil. They make certain, some of their products are good products, uh, but there's a lot of different companies that make soil. Really everybody makes soil. If you go to one of the big box stores, you're going to end up buying it, buying from uh, one of the big brand names. So like you said earlier, supporting local and going to the local nurseries, you'll probably find some local soil blends made by smaller companies, and they usually pay more attention to the quality control of the soils. Got yeah. Now, could a guy like yeah. Joe, Joe lives in the forest in Minnesota, can he go out into his backyard and just dig soil out of the ground and grow stuff in there? Would that be better than buying like a store-bought version, or is the store-bought version better? 
because it's got all of the, like the things. Yeah. That's, that that's, a, that's like a huge question I have. Like, how can you tell if it's good soil? Like what, what about the soil can, is there something you can look for? Or are you just sort of relying on, on either the packaging or the guy at the, at the nursery? All right. So the first question you said, can you go outside and dig up soil and put that soil in a pot and start growing? Yep. No, I wouldn't recommend it because okay. the soil that the soil that goes in a pot, it's usually mixed with. Uh, it's usually mixed with different ingredients that help the soil drain faster, because if the soil is in the container, you don't want it. You don't want um, you don't want soil that can that holds a lot of moisture because we just talked about how the moisture can cause the roots to basically drown or suffocate them so the soil that you're going to buy from the store is going to be potting soil and potting soil is going to be mixed with things like peat moss or cocoa core or perlite or vermiculite to help kind of lighten it up okay is is there a difference now when you talk about potting soil? I'm always seeing when I go to do my gardening, there's like potting soil for trees, potting soil, potting soil for vegetables, potting soil for fruits. Is there really a difference or is that just a marketing thing? So part of it is a marketing thing. Uh, I think from the bigger companies, part of it is a marketing thing. But then at the same time, they'll have little tweaks or they'll add a few different amendments depending on what you're growing. But at the end of the day, potting soil is basically potting soil. So you, like if you're growing a, let's say you want to grow a fruit tree in a container, you don't have to go and buy fruit tree specific potting soil. You could buy any potting soil, use it. And then when you fertilize it, you could use fertilizers fertilizers that are specialized for fruit trees. Okay. okay. So it sounds, it sounds to me like, so, so like good soil is good soil. So it, it doesn't necessarily yeah. have to be specific to what you're growing. Like good soil is just, is good. But that, that's my second part of that question. And like, how can you tell if the soil you have is good? Like when would you know it's time to add fertilizer or as you, as you mentioned, like add amendments to the soil? All right. So that kind of depends on, how you're growing or what you're growing. Uh, as far as how do you tell if the soil is good, if it's in a container or if it's coming out of a bag or if it's coming out of the, the ground, there's all different ways to tell. But for the most part, it's does this soil hold water well? Uh, does this soil smell good and I don't know how to describe what good soil smells like. It doesn't have any bad or foul odors coming from it. It just smells like regular dirt would smell like. Um, yeah. And how do you know when to add fertilizer? That really depends on what you're growing. There's not just one generic add fertilizer every week or every mm -hmm. two weeks and you'll be good to go because you could, it depends on what fertilizer you use. Uh, it could, it also depends on whether you're growing in containers or directly in the ground. Depends what you're growing. So to know when to fertilize, you kind of just look at the plants okay. and the plants will kind of tell you, right? If the leaves are, are not as green and vibrant as 
maybe in a picture of whatever it is that you're growing or that you see in a picture of whatever it is that you're growing, then you could use some fertilizer. Interesting. Now, this 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 line of questioning has a a, a root cause. Speaking of plants, see see what I did there. Um, I was uh, I was talking to some other trainers that I know uh, a while back about supplementing, you know, supplementing your diet and and the value of a multivitamin. And one of the themes that kept coming up that a lot of people would would point out is the the fruits and vegetables that we get at the market today don't have the same amount of vitamins and minerals. And they, the, the most common reason for that is because of just soil depletion, because the farms have been yeah. soil for years and years and years. And so like a tomato 50 years ago has, you know, 500 times more vitamin A than a tomato does at the store today. Um, so, so this idea of like, how can you tell if your soil is good? Like if you're going to go to the trouble of growing your own vegetables, are they going to be better than store-bought okay. ones? Okay, so what you're talking about, that's like nutrient density. There we go, yeah. And the amount of nutrients that are in a fruit or vegetable are directly related to the amount of nutrients that are actually in the soil, not the nutrients that you feed to the plant as a fertilizer. So the answer, now to, to go back to your question on how do you know when it's time to fertilize, if you... If you don't think about using fertilizers as something to help your plant, but think about fertilizers as how can I make my soil better? How can I enrich my soil more, uh, give my soil more life? You giving your soil more life will in turn get you more uh, higher nutrient quantities in whatever it is that you grow. So when you said how farms nowadays or how fruit nowadays has less vitamins and minerals, that's because a lot of the farmers or a lot of the farms are not restoring uh, basically the life into the soil. They're just spraying fertilizers. The plants use the fertilizer, but they're not doing anything for the actual ground. Okay, so, so in this regard then, Tim, is fertilizer different than compost or are they, do they do the same things? So fertilizer is different than compost, but compost can fertilize your plant. Okay. Okay. So, so to clarify that then, uh, fertilizer feeds the soil, but compost feeds the plants and the soil. Is that accurate? No, no, reversed. Compost feeds the plants and the soil. Well, compost feeds the soil, then the soil will in turn feed the plant, okay. and fertilizer will just feed the plant. Mm. Okay, so if I, want, if I want to get the nutrient density up, compost is a better road than fertilizer. Yes, compost and any other uh, natural organic amendment. So adding things like earthworm castings or adding things like uh, cottonseed meal or bat guanos or any just naturally occurring substances that when they break down with the or when they break down into the soil, they enrich the soil and help with this soil food web that's down there. Okay, what about coffee grinds? Coffee grinds are cool. They're high in carbon. They're really better to add to 
your compost bin than okay. to add directly to a garden. So like, then what I'm hearing is the stuff that you want to add directly to the soil are like some type of animal byproduct or something like that. Like you're talking about bats and worms and, and, and things like that. Whereas the compost, that's where you're going to take all of your lemon rinds, tomato peels, coffee grinds and put in a compost bin. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. But you would also take your, like if you have chickens, you would also take the chicken manure and before you put it in your bed or on your containers, you would put it in your compost bin. So the compost bin or creating compost is just kind of, it breaks down all of any sort of bad bacteria or bad fungus that is within these uh, ingredients that we're mixing together. And then it just kind of puts out this perfect, <laughs> this perfect byproduct. Okay. Now, now on that note, I'll, I'll steer away from the fertilizer. We're going to circle back, but Tim, I, I came out to my garden beds the other day and my wife, she had thrown banana peels in there, coffee grinds. She'd thrown like limes, tomato parts, like just on top of the soil. I'm like, what the fuck did you just do to my garden bin? And I feel like, I feel like she's screwing shit up and not composting properly. I wish this was a joke, but I'll send you a picture. I was very upset by this. I meant to call you about it. Is, is this the right way to compost? Do I just throw like food parts in my garden? Or if, can you tell me how to compost properly? All right, so no, you, you, you should not just throw those food parts into your garden. I mean, they'll eventually break down, but it'll take a long time for them to break down. And they okay. could attract uh, rats or mice out there, and it could attract them to your garden. So is this so, why I have lions in my backyard now? <laughs> what, are you, yeah. what are you burying out there? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the banana peels bring them out. <laughs> I found chicken in there. I found a steak. Like, I just don't know. Anyway, okay, so how do I make, I'm a guy at home. I, I, clearly, I live with a person that doesn't know how to compost. How do you make a homemade compost bin? Do I just, like, take a Rubbermaid container and start throwing shit in there? Yeah, I mean, really, you can, you can compost in anything. So if you had a Rubbermaid container, you'd want to poke some holes in it so that air and water could kind of move through it. But then you're going to mix uh, brown ingredients and green ingredients. And I'm not, I'm not referring to the color. Uh, like, I mean, it doesn't have to be green. Green ingredients are nitrogen rich. So those are your food scraps, but no meat or no dairy. Those are your food scraps that you would add. Or if you out in your garden and you, cut some leaves off, you trim up some things, you can throw those in your bin and those count as the greens. And then for the browns, you could use your coffee grinds, you could use your uh, newspaper, magazines. If you have dried leaves from outside, pine needles, anything like that that's already kind of been broken down, those are carbon rich items you mix those together add a little bit of water air flows through it breaks down and you have compost 
Okay, the holes. Do I poke them on the bottom or the side or both? So I would poke the holes on the sides. Okay. Because you're not, yeah, I'd poke the holes on the side just to let the air move that way. Okay. You could put holes on the bottom, but, but they're not really necessary because you're not, when you're at, you're going to add water to this mix. As, as you mix things together, you're going to put a little bit of water in there. You should never be putting buckets and buckets of water to where you just have all this runoff coming out of your compost. Okay. Bin. So I add water. So yeah, and then you, do I put soil in there? Like for my compost bin, should I put a little bit with green ingredients to keep mixing it with a stick and, and hoping for the best? You can put soil in there, put in the soil in there. We'll kind of introduce all of these uh, soil bacterias and fungi that you have outside okay. in your yard. It'll introduce it to the compost bin. Then all of those bacteria, they kind of multiply and multiply. And then that's what, those are what actually drives the, the decomposition process. Okay, you put a lid on it. Yes, you would put a lid on it. You poke holes in the lid also. Okay. I'm, I'm taking notes here, Joe, because I'm going to make yeah, some comments. <laughs> I'm trying. Oh. <laughs> so that's, that's like it, you, can use, you can use a Rubbermaid tote. If you have a five-gallon bucket, these are, all, these are smaller sizes. If you have a five-gallon bucket, you could compost that way. If you lit, if you don't have um, if you don't have an outside area with a, a yard or gar an outside garden space, then another way you can compost indoors is through a a system called bakashi, and it involves you using you can add all sorts of materials to this bin, and then you sprinkle this this bran, and this bran has been inoculated with these microorganisms from outside. And these microorganisms, they eat whatever you put into the bin and they start to decompose and break it down. And then you can dump that bin directly into your garden. And what's and because this stuff it's called? Already, it's called Bokashi brand. Bokashi, B-O-K-A-S-H-I. And it's a way people have been ferment, uh, people have been composting like this for probably thousands of years. And would you use this stuff outside too? Yes. Okay. So I'm 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 going outside. I go to my garden boxes, and it looks like a giant garbage pile because my wife did this to my garden boxes. Um, she juices a lot, Tim. So she has a lot. This, this podcast and um, it's just filled with food scraps. Does that mean I add more brown stuff to balance it out? Do I just throw a bunch of this yes. Bakashi stuff in there? What does that mean? No, you would, you need to add the browns. You need to have a, uh, the people, people will kind of argue and say you need more greens than browns or browns than greens. I know that if you keep an equal ratio, one to one brown to green, you'll be good. It'll break down. So if okay. you have a lot of food scraps in there, you could keep something, I don't know, keep a bag of leaves that you rake up or something that you rake up. And every time you throw some, some of the food scraps in there, 
you just throw some browns in there with it. Does soil count as a brown or no? Yes. Yes, soil counts as a brown. Okay, I want to I want to take back to our example earlier of like you're in an apartment, so you don't have like a yard. You know, you're trying to grow some herbs in a box, you know, maybe on a on a windsill or a, a windowsill or something. Um, you're probably not going to be composting in that situation. So if if you went out and you bought a good high quality soil, you know, and you and you started growing your your arugula or your your herbs that you're growing. Uh, how often would you recommend changing the soil? So I would recommend that every month, it kind of depends on how often you're watering it, mm-hmm. but every month or so you could go get a bag of compost. You won't need an entire bag. You could go buy one bag of compost and then every month put maybe a cup or two on the top of the soil. Okay. And then that's it. You would do that forever. Would, would, would you want to take like, would I, I guess, is the soil going somewhere or would I have to like take some of the old soil out to replace it with the compost? So the soil, the level will drop. So you'll notice you'll fill your container all the way to the top. And then as you water it throughout the year or throughout the year, the level will drop an inch, two inches, three inches. And before okay. you know it, by the end of the year, that container could be down three inches from the top. All right. And so from what you're saying earlier, as long as the, the plants are growing are, are fairly healthy, you, you can keep that same soil. Would there ever be a part where you would just like obliterate it, like toss all the soil out and start fresh? Or do you think you could keep the same? Yeah. Plant? Yeah. So if you had, if you noticed that everything you planted in that soil started to have issues, disease after disease, regardless of what you would plant, then I would recommend you dump that soil. Okay. Yeah. Now, now we've, uh, sorry, so you can top up with compost. You can buy the store-bought compost. Is, is homemade compost better than store-bought or are they about the same, like 50-50? So homemade compost, if you, if you add soil from your yard into the compost bin, it will be better than bagged soil that comes from a large company. Because your your compost is going to have the microorganisms from your yard or your oh, area, yeah. and and those in those indigenous microorganisms from your area they perform better in your area than the ones that have been shipped across the country. But if you find a small soil yard, or let me not say small, if you find a soil yard in your area you could buy compost from them that will be probably just as good as the compost that you make yourself. I, I, I like it. One more quick question about the compost thing. Do you mix your compost with a stick or like a shovel? Are you constantly like taking the stuff that's on top and putting it to the bottom? Yes. Yeah, so if you're, so if you're composting outside and you had a compost, a bigger bin, you would use like a pitchfork or a shovel and you would turn the compost. So when things compost, you, you're building like a big pile and the middle of the pile is going to heat up and that heat radiates throughout the pile. So when we turn the pile, we're taking what was the hottest and we're moving it to a cool area and we're moving everything so that it can, so that all of the ingredients have a chance to cycle through that that center portion of the compost that, that heats up or gets the hottest because you need that. You need the heat from the compost 
it kills a lot of the bad bacteria or pathogens that could cause diseases in your garden. Okay. When do, when do you know when it's time to extract the compost? When it looks like soil? When you don't see any yeah, well, food lines? Yes. Yes. All right. When it looks that's, like soil, you, when you can't tell what was in there, uh, or when, it, when it's just really hot, like... If you have this bin that you're using and it's outside and you turn it and every time you open it, you've turned it three, four, five times and it's just hot, then it's probably time for you to use it. Okay. So, so we, we, we've talked a little bit about the, the gardening on the inside. The reason I wanted to cover compost is because some people do have a yard. They do have a balcony and, and, and they can do this. So you've got your planter box, you've got your compost, you've got your water. Tell me about 2010-10. If, if my plants are growing, can I just douse the plants in this stuff and, and hope for the best? Or is that a bad idea? So, I mean, yeah, if, if, you, if you wanted to, you could go out there and use 2010-10 fertilizer. But what that does is, so it basically does the opposite of what we're trying to do. That 2010-10 fertilizer is going to fertilize your plant but at the same time, that fertilizer, when it gets in the soil, is going to kill a lot of the good bacteria and okay. the good soil life that we're trying to grow. That's, that's good because, to know because they sell this stuff all the time at the big box garden stores. Like, just put this, this miracle Grow 2010-10, all this stuff on it. And I'm always hesitant to do that. Yeah, so you'll use it. And the first time you use it, your garden will look amazing, but then you'll need to use it again in two, three weeks. And then again in two or three weeks. And before you know it, it's almost as if your garden will not grow unless you use it. It gets you hooked. And that's because we've, yeah, yeah. You're, <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. And now you're a customer for life. Yeah. Wow. It sounds like so, pre-workout is what it sounds that, like. That was actually, like I was just thinking, it just sounds exactly like pre-workout. Uh, I, I'm, I'm curious because, uh, I mean, clearly you're very knowledgeable, right? You've been able to answer all our, our bizarre questions. Um, and you're very passionate about this stuff. So uh, I think that's that's fantastic. It makes you like a, a, a wealth of useful knowledge in this field. But I feel like people... Who, who haven't started a garden before are already kind of intimidated because there just seems to be a lot of like ins and outs and like, you got to know this, you got to know that you're going to have to learn a little bit about compost and you got to learn which plants grow in shade and which ones don't, um, you know, what, what kind of soils you're going to need and what have you. What, what would you tell somebody who's just starting out? Like, is this something where if I decide I want to grow some herbs in a, in a windowsill, or I've got a huge backyard. I mean, if I wanted to start actually like put a box together and make like a nice backyard garden, is this going to be like a total obsession? Am I going to have to like spend hours and hours every day worrying about my garden? Or is this something that I can, can kind of treat like a hobby hobby and, and, and maybe grow into? Yeah. So the second thing, the latter is, is the way I believe that you should do it. Like, I don't think you should ever just jump all the way in. Like Matt, you, you say you have a big backyard. Yeah. So after this podcast, you're like, Shit, I'm gonna go build five boxes right now today where you've never gardened before. Before you know it, you might get burned out. Right. And then you just wasted your time. So no, I feel like when it comes to gardening, you just let it you grow with it. Now there there's not a there's not a 
you do this and you'll have a great garden. But just kind of, man, what am I trying to say? What I'm trying to say is that the garden, it should be a hobby, but it should be fun. So you should enjoy going out there. You should enjoy doing this because, you know, it's a way to de-stress. Sure. Uh, it's a way to reconnect with nature. It's a, it's a way to just get your mind off of whatever's going on in, in your day. So if, if you, you don't think about it like I have to come out here and garden, oh, man, this is going to take so much time. But you look at it like, shit, yeah, I get to go out here and garden right now, man. I put my phone down, or I put some music on, and I just kind of do my thing. So, And then it's like, I don't mind learning about it, or I don't mind putting in the time, because to me, this isn't, because I'm not really looking for anything in return. I, I don't care if I grow a tomato or not. I just have fun going out there and planting. If you're not worried about what's coming at the end, or maybe I shouldn't say not worried about it. If you're looking at it just as what you get at that moment from gardening, as opposed to I have to have this picture perfect garden. Right. I don't know if I answered your question. I, I think so. Cause what I'm hearing is like, start small, right? Like, like grow, grow a, a potted plant first and just see how that goes. You know, grow, grow, uh, uh, you know, one of those little herb gardens, you know, start with mm-hmm. that. And when you're like, man, that was great. And that was easy. And, you know, I got to use these herbs in this one meal and it was phenomenal. Like what would happen if I could grow more and then maybe get a little bigger box and then maybe like, gosh, I've got all this space outside. What if I did put like a planter in and, and again, start small and let your garden grow. It's almost poetic. Yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. Tim, Tim, on that note, um, we've, we've talked about growing and we're like herbs and, and leafy greens. What about artificial sunlight sources? I'm, I, I was looking online the other day. You can get these like little indoor herb planters that have got these LED lights and stuff. So, so you can grow tomatoes if you don't have a window that gets like more than eight hours of sun. Um, do these things actually work as good as the sun or is the sun the best thing? Now, the sun's still the best thing, but those lights will work. Okay. You know, like, if you, so, if you so don't if, have access. If I'm in my little my little apartment and, and you're saying, well, geez, you, you can grow some arugula. And I'm like, I, f- I fucking hate arugula. And I want to grow, a, like, peaches. Like, there's a way would be what, what my understanding is. Like, you can make it work, but it's going to be work. Yeah. I, okay. I, I mean, I don't know that you could grow I mean, yes, when there, where there's a will, there's a way. So if you wanted to grow peaches indoors, you could. You could really grow anything you want, but it's about are you willing to, you, you would have to build some sort of enclosure to keep your peach in, your peach mm-hmm. tree in. You would have to have really high ceilings to be able to hang the light high enough away from it so that it doesn't burn the leaves. So, so this, this gets away from like a nice little hobby and something fun to do and becomes like an obsession at that point. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that, that's growing? when you're like, what about growing what? What about growing stuff upside down? I've seen people do uh, this for like eight planners and you grow stuff. I'm not even joking. Joe, I see you laughing at me through the video. I, I'm laughing because I know, man. I know, I've seen it too. You grow shit. 
upside down. But that's like, that's, there's also, that's like, you know, oh, gardening's so easy. All you have to do is grow everything upside down. It'll be easy. It's like, you know, uh, all, all you have to do is take this one supplement and you can have huge muscles. It's just so easy. Yeah. But like, easy payments, nine ninety nine, Bobby, come on, sign up. If, if you wanted some room, like if you wanted to grow a lot, you could have planter boxes on the ground and you could hang upside down plants from the roof, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, te- technically, but but now, now how are we gonna how are we gonna keep all of that soil in the pot? And if we're not using soil, what are we what are we growing in? Are we growing them upside down hydroponically? Because I mean, yeah, that's that's probably doable. But depending on what it is, if the light source is above it, then it's gonna want to turn. It's gonna start growing down and then turn and go back up towards the light. Okay, I just I just asked because I just Googled Bosky Sky Planter. You can buy these sky planter things. Okay, hang on. So so like I'm like a level one gardener. Okay, like I can keep a plant alive. I've grown some cactuses, I've grown some herbs, it was fine. That that's my level. All right, Tim, you're like like a level 20. You're like a, a chief wizard grower. All right. Your your thumb's so green, it's ridiculous. What level do you need to be at to start seriously considering hydroponics? Oh no! You, you you could be a level one grower and start considering hydroponics. I think how you grow depends on kind of like where you are, what you have available to you. If you don't have any outdoor space, but you're dead set on growing, I mean, then then hydroponic is probably the way to go. Right. You would still learn the same base. You would still learn the same basic knowledge whether you grow hydroponically or whether you grow uh conventionally in soil you still need to learn about what nutrients do what what diseases look like so like i say you still get the same basic setup uh so now you you don't need to be more experienced or have any other or any more experience or any more knowledge you just have to have that desire for that knowledge i guess all right. So we, yeah. we've got some good information from you today. What herbs, because we are in the era of the, of the COVID, what herbs would you plant to build like, because I know you make tea and you do all kinds of stuff like that. What are your go-to herbs for immunity these days? Is it oil of oregano? Uh, it, oregano. Is it, is it oregano. What else? Oregano, thyme, uh, sage, preferably white sage, if, if you can find it. Um, any, any sort of mint, whether you get the peppermint, chocolate, mint, spearmint, whatever, any sort of mint. I mean, basically all your classic herbs, rosemary, all of them, they all have medicinal properties that, that are really often overlooked. Everybody tells you about these other superfoods coming out, but a lot of these herbs will do the exact same things and more for you. Okay. And are you, are you always making a tea or do you just eat the leaves? Uh, Both. So I, I'll use them for tea every morning, every morning, some sort of herbs get used for tea. And then, yeah, I mean, we're always cooking. So the herbs, fresh herbs get used in cooking also. I, I like it. Is there some kind of trick to make your plants grow 
faster or is it just more sun, more water, more compost? It's, it's increase the life in your soil and your plants will grow bigger, faster, stronger, and have less diseases and pests. Like it all comes back to that soil life. That's the secret to everything. And by life in the soil, you're saying the, the earthworms, the, the castings, yeah. the bat droppings, all that stuff. I'm saying, the, yeah, the life in the soil, I'm talking about this. We can't really see it. This, this food web that's taking place, these bacteria eating other bacteria, fungi eating other fungi, and all of these things working in just like a cohesive, uh, cohesive team. They're all working together. Uh, to create does Bakashi work, work in soil? Yes, Bakashi would you would be adding microorganisms to your soil with that Bakashi brand that I was okay, talking this, about. This sounds like some bed bug shit. If I if I spill Bakashi on myself, am I in trouble with my petty sit? Do they get sick? <laughs> or is this stuff that just affects the soil? It's just with the soil. All right. I just want to make sure you tell me I'm going to add all these microorganisms in. So I want to make sure I, I've got to be careful with this stuff. Yeah, no, no. It's just just soil microorganisms. And you usually, the Bokashi usually comes from, uh, you catch these microorganisms from forests that have really big trees. So these microorganisms, they're used to growing really big trees. You take them to your garden and they're supposed to help you grow really big, healthy trees. All right, Tim, I, I, I got to know here, Tim, if, if, well, let's just say, I'm, I'm going to put this into a context, uh, uh, a little story, if you will. Um, so Bobby's got this, this ring. It's a golden ring. It doesn't look uh, very, very special until you hold it in the fire and then like writing appears on it. And we decided we need to destroy it. So we're going to uh, walk to a volcano and toss it in. Uh, with your knowledge of plants, if we took you on this journey with us, would you be able to find like all the medicinal herbs growing in the wild? Like, would you be able to help improve the flavor of our soups that we were making on this journey? Like how useful would you be in a survivalist situation with all your, it's, your it's actually joke. It's called urban foraging. There's a word for it. And, and my good friend, <laughs> yet, he actually is like a James Beard winner guy because his restaurant forage, he did urban foraging meals in his dishes. Wow. Tim, are you an urban forager? <laughs> <laughs> Man, I can't compete with him. <laughs> but <laughs> but if this was if this was like zombie apocalypse, we need to survive, I feel like I'm I'm top three most important people, right? All right. But who else okay. is gonna grow the food? Fair. Okay. Fair. Yeah. I got but, it. But I mean, now, what if what if we're on the move all the time? I don't got time for plants to grow. Like we got to keep moving. Zombies are coming. They're they're incessant. <laughs> <laughs> so then, so then I'd take uh, Bobby's friend and myself. I've one and two. All right. <laughs> all right. Now, now, Tim, this has been good. So, so people are at home and and they want to they they can start a garden. I'm assuming, by the way that all the rules for inside planting also apply to outside the variable being certain parts of your yard. It's easier to grow certain things because you get full sun. Is that, is that yeah. accurate? 
to all the yeah. rules about composting and topping up. It's all the same. It's just going to be a sunlight issue outdoors or indoors. Yes. Okay. And I assume temperature plays a part in that too. Like I have, I have long suspected that, that things like arugula and spinach grow better in colder temperatures than hotter temperatures. They taste less bitter. Am I crazy that on that? Or is that, is that nope. the truth? Those are facts. Okay. So those are the ones you want to keep in the low sun when it's hot or grow in like the early summer versus like, how do you, how do you live in, in Houston? How do you keep your arugula from getting too bitter then? Do you plant it in the shade? Like what's the deal? So there'll just be a time where I don't have arugula growing in the garden, but if I were to try okay. to plant it in the garden in the summer, I would plant it underneath the leaves of the okra or underneath the leaves mm. of the tomatoes. Cause they kind of shade that area underneath. So it might be, you know, five, 10 degrees cooler underneath the shade of or underneath those leaves. So then I would grow the arugula, but I would eat it basically as soon as it sprouted. I wouldn't give it time to get big because it'll probably, it'll probably get bitter as soon as it gets past that small baby stage. Got yeah. Now, now the, you're talking about planting stuff on top, right? I got a, one more random question and then we'll go to real random question time. Combos is stuff that's good to grow together. Like my tomatoes, they like my jalapeno peppers. They like to grow well together. Can you give us some combos of stuff that grows well together that like you'd plant in the same box? Or conversely, don't plant tomatoes with lettuce, for example. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. So, yeah, what you're, you're talking about companion planting. Well, there's so they a say term that you sorry. Yeah, yeah, there's a term, companion planting. So that's that. That's if you plant certain things next to each other, they either help or hurt the other plant. Okay. And they'll help well, kind by... Of, kind of like a marriage. You, you, you marry one yeah. person, it helps. <laughs> All right, so tell me how to get some good companions here. All right, so usually herbs are, besides dill and fennel, you can plant herbs with basically anything that you're growing because those herbs, the, the, the scents and the oils, they usually keep a lot of pests away. If you notice, if you plant an herb garden, if you had a little planter and you filled it with all herbs and then you had another planter right next to it and you filled it with, let's say tomatoes or squash or lettuce or anything else, you would notice that all of your pest problems, were in the bed that did not contain the herbs. Okay. So back to the companion planting, you want to plant herbs with basically everything that you plant, if possible. Uh, you can plant things like carrots and onions together. You can plant things like um, uh, squash and corn or squash and beans together. Uh, you can plant tomatoes with marigolds or you can plant tomatoes with carrots and tomatoes with basil or oregano. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of them, man. There's a lot of them. You can plant, if you plant strawberries, you can plant your strawberries with sage or you can plant your strawberries with a, a flower called borage. Um, and you've got, I, you've got a know. bunch of this stuff just for people because... 
I mean, it sounds like you can go on forever here. They can go to, they can go to your Instagram and you're constantly posting this content, right? Right. Right. They can go to the Instagram or they can go to YouTube or, or the blog, big city gardener. And, uh, you can get all this information and more. I like it. Your Instagram is at big city gardener. Cause I'm seeing you got plants that grow in the full sun here. Eggplants, basil, corn, zucchini, okra, sweet potato, uh, pumpkin, uh, lavender, dill. So tomatillos. Um, then you've got plants that can grow in the shade. So you got a bunch of useful stuff. By the way, I like your memes. Do you make these yourself? <laughs> yeah, I make them. You're good, dude. For yeah, real. Yeah. yeah. Why does store as well? I mean, like it's super useful, super helpful. Oh, here we go. What not to plant with tomatoes, broccoli, uh, I can't pronounce it. It looks like a green radish. Cold, cold, Kohlrabi. Cold, Kohlrabi. Kohlrabi. Uh, cauliflower, yeah. cabbage, uh, brassicas, um, yep. corn, potatoes, dill. This is kind of cool. You got all kinds of information. Um, let's say I got this, and this is a real story. Let's say I've got this one container that it's for strawberries and, or sorry, blueberries. And the blueberry plant is growing, but it produces no fruit. How do I rectify this situation? Blueberries, you need two blueberries for them to, for them to fruit properly. Some plants need, they need a pollinator. So okay. you could get all the flowers and it could grow well, but you'll never get any fruit. Okay. So I just put another blueberry plant in there and then they can make love and grow all the blueberries. Exactly. All right. So that just helps me now. Now, if I have a plant that's just not growing for whatever reason, and it doesn't need a buddy, um, is, is the number one step to just replace the soil or can there be a bad plant? Yeah. So you can get bad plants, uh, pretty often actually. Okay. If, if you go and buy plants from nurseries or even the big box stores, you know, you didn't start those plants, so you don't know how well they were taken care of until you got them. Yeah, you don't um, know. The guys at the big box stores could probably be like listening to heavy metal, making the plants evil, right? Exactly. Yeah. Does does, does exactly. music affect plant growth? Like, if you, I've, I've I've heard this. If you play plants' music, does it affect them? I mean, they they say it does, and I've seen the studies. I've read the studies, and I've seen the studies. And I've seen people who have indoor gardens play music for their plants all the time. Um, I think it puts the person who is interacting with the plants in a better mood, and then they're more likely to care for or to put more care into the plants. All right. All right. So random question time. What's your favorite hobby besides gardening? I like basketball. Okay. I like to play basketball. Okay, but you you've not watched this. We talked about this offline. You didn't watch the last dance. No, not yet. Not yet. You need to get on this, Tim. You kids need to remember how good Michael Jordan is and that he's the real goat. He's the goat. See, I'm having to stay off of social media and kind of get out of the group chats with my friends because they're all talking about this show. <laughs> and I don't want to watch it yet. Okay. 
See, Tim, I'm with you. This is not something I want to digest in small parts and then have to wait. I hate being slave to a show. Like, I just want to binge it. Come on. Uh, Yeah, so do I. So that's why I love Netflix. They give you the whole show. The day it comes out, you get the whole season. That's the way, man. That's the way. Number two, I need, I'm growing a lot of stuff in my basement and I need more energy for my light source. Do you know how to wire into your neighbor's electricity or the electrical box on the street so I can get the kind of juice I need to grow <laughs> what I'm growing? Hey, man, I think you're, the phone cut out or something. I couldn't hear that question. So I think we should just go to question number three. <laughs> All right. Related to question, related to question two, did, did, you, did, you, did you grow your own stuff for 420 day? Or is that another <laughs> situation? Hello? Hello? <laughs> All, right. All right, I got you. I got you. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. All right, I had to ask those questions, but I, I understand you live in a place where you're not safe to talk. Got it. You're not in seat. Here's the deal with this, Tim. I, I, I forget, I'm Canadian, so I ask you Americans about this stuff, and it, it, it varies from part to part, whereas Canada, we're just freewheeling up there. <laughs> I heard, man. I've heard stories about Canada. Yeah, Vancouver, specifically. British Columbia. That's that's what you want. So That's okay. But I don't know anything about so, Tim, this has been a blast. Thank you so much for your knowledge. I think I think we'd love to have you on again so we could pick your yeah. brain about stuff. I feel like uh, all we've covered is dirt so far. Like, there's a lot more we got to get into. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I appreciate the opportunity. The no, there's there's a lot, but I I do really think Tim, on a serious note, because we keep things lighthearted around here. On a serious note, um, but before we go, a serious question now: Do you think this whole COVID thing? increases people doing gardening at home because people are now um, home for the first time a lot longer than they were. They're nervous to go to the grocery store. They're nervous where their produce is come from. Like you think this, it sparks an increase in this kind of stuff or have you seen in your industry, like an uptick in people hitting you up for stuff? Yeah. I, I see people uh, more curious about it now. I don't know how long that that curiosity lasts. I I think, or in my opinion, this this right here should be what kind of kind of sparks everybody to want to do something like like just every if if everybody in your neighborhood was growing something, yep. right? Then you wouldn't have to worry about really going to the grocery store or you could spend less time in the grocery store. You could spend less time in the produce department Yep. or you could have access to fresher food. So like, I, I, is this going to change it forever? Hopefully, but I don't know. All right. Well, I, I actually do like that idea. Like if you grew, your neighbor grows grapes, you grow a bunch of tomatoes. You, grow, I mean, you're, you're technically correct. Like there's places with food shortages right now that would solve it everyone would have enough to eat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I I love love that idea. I just, go ahead. I said, you may not have access to all of the varieties that you would have at the normal grocery store, but 
at that same yep. time, you're not supposed to eat the, the same thing all year round. Like things grow during specific seasons for a reason. So you're talking about seasonal eating now, basically. So yeah. eat things that yeah, are in season in your natural hat um, and, and stay away from. Exactly. Is that right? Now, what if, what if I live in Northern Canada? You can't eat nothing in the winter <laughs> except seals. <laughs> but isn't that what they eat in the, in the very north of Canada? It's like nothing but seal fat. <laughs> you answered yeah, your own I mean, question. I mean, <laughs> what are you going to go, go eat some lichen? Because the only thing grows. <laughs> what do you now, know about growing all, On that note, though, <laughs> on that note, on that note, nothing grows in Salt Lake in the winter. So does that mean in the winter I shouldn't eat vegetables? No, no, no. I still think you should eat vegetables, but I think you should eat vegetables that grow, that, that are winter vegetables. Like I don't know that in the middle of the winter you need to be going out and buying zucchini and squash. Earlier we were talking about okay, so what's a, what's density a, of I was saying earlier yeah, this, we were talking this, about this, nutrient this. density of food. So yeah. how can it, how can something that's grown out of season be as nutritious for you as something that's grown in season? Okay, so you're you're blowing my little mind here because understand I'm from. Are you a Star Wars guy, Tim? Have you ever seen Star Wars? I have seen it, but I'm not a Star Wars guy. I'm basically from the ice planet of Hoth. So understand, <laughs> it's 24-7 ice and darkness where I'm, what the hell kind of vegetables grow in the snow? We're talking about winter vegetables. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What, what are we talking about, pine trees? There's a lot of those where I'm from. <laughs> I don't know what you're supposed to eat up there, right? But like, when I'm saying winter vegetables, I just mean things that grow cool season crops. So. We're talking any of yeah, your... We're not, we're not talking the winter. Your, Let me be reminded, you you're yeah. from Houston. You I was going to just say winter. that. There is no winter where he's from. <laughs> Nothing grows. Joe's, it's Joe's below where I'm from right now. <laughs> what what the hell kind from? of winter vegetables are I'm in Minneapolis, man. It's 30. I'm, I'm north of the wall. We're all, nothing but white walkers up here. Man, I, I used to know somebody from Minnesota and they told me how cold it was. They showed me a picture of people running yes. in, I don't know, it's probably like 10 degree weather. They're all out there running in shorts. Day. Was, <laughs> 10 degrees is warm. Yeah. <laughs> well, when you're, yeah, when you're talking about winter vegetables, like what, what, what can Joe grow in the snow? Well, I, you're not going to grow much in the snow. Like if you live in an area where you have temperatures like that, you're really relying on your, your summer and your springtime. And hopefully you grew enough to where you could save it for the winter. But, okay. um, All but, right. but it, in other places that don't get that cold, then winter vegetables are like your, your winter squash, your acorn squash, your, your butternut squash, um, even even broccolis and cabbages and, you know, cauliflowers, things like that. Those are winter squash. I'm okay. sorry, those are winter crops. 
Sorry, man. I just got to give you a hard time. We have a, a very good mutual friend. Uh, Joe and I love the guy Byron, but like, I remember I went to Houston in the winter and Byron's like, it's really cold right now. And I got there and it was 80 degrees and I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Cold. It's the winter. <laughs> you know? So, all right. I'm just glad we differentiated because I'm going to have a bunch of Canadians listening and being like, what the hell is this guy talking about? Winter vegetables. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> It, it's cold out here sometimes. I mean, it's not you guys cold. It's not Minnesota cold. Like that's that's beyond cold. I don't even know how to describe that. And it's definitely not Canada. Uh, White Walkers, seal <laughs> fat. Yeah, no sun cold. But yeah, you know, can I, can I cold you for us. Have you ever yes. been trapped in the woods at night and had to build an igloo, a makeshift igloo, in order to keep yourself alive? Uh, I, no, I've I've never really seen snow. Like, let me be honest with you. I've only seen snow once in my life, and I've never seen feet of snow. I probably saw like like four inches of snow, two inches maybe. That's all the snow right, I've ever so, seen once. So what you're also telling me no. Okay, so what you're also telling me is growing up like myself, a kayak and snowshoes weren't your primary means of transportation. <laughs> You know, I don't even know what snowshoes look like. And I just got in a kayak for the first time a couple months ago. All right. All right. Listen, if you roll a kayak in subarctic temperatures, you die. You have to keep that thing from tipping. A lot of you Americans <laughs> like to do this. I'm going to tip my kayak and get back up. Joe. Don't let that thing tip. You die. No, no, no. That's cold water. That's cold. You don't come back from that. <laughs> yeah. Tim, this, I was this on the kayak in the bayou. <laughs> it's like alligator bait, man. <laughs> yeah, it was like a bayou yeah. behind the house. Kayak in there. I, I don't know about this sub zero or flipping it. Like, if it can, I'll take the cold. The you keep your alligators, out. man. And we'll, we'll take the cold up here. <laughs> I'll take the All alligators right. over the cold, man. Fair enough, Tim. <laughs> this this has been this has been a blast. Um, for those of you again that are listening, Tim's one of the best gardeners on the planet. He's extremely humble. But if you go to his page, Big City Gardener, you will see what we're talking about. Thank you for all the knowledge. Again, Tim, where do you think uh, people can find? Well, not where do you think. Where can people find you to go learn? And and what kind of services do you offer? Like garden tutorials, uh, videos? Yeah, so you can find me at Big City Gardener. That's on all social media platforms and BigCityGardener.com. And what do I offer? I, I offer everything i just want to teach people about gardening so from classes to online consultations whatever it needs to be if you have a question about gardening i might have an answer awesome i i love it tim thank you for, for all the information and uh yeah this and it has been an absolute pleasure to blast i i don't know about you joe i learned a ton oh yeah for sure for sure thanks for having me on the show Cause you're the-